I usually give it a good space before so that I can edit it in the very beginning. So I'm sitting there smiling at the camera. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at the screen and I see this little, it looks like a little thread that kind of floats down th- past my forehead and off the screen. So text the word lint. To the- <laughs> no. No, it's ghost. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up on 612 this Tuesday morning, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is in Russia this morning. North Korean state media calling it a, quote, official visit. He is set to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. I don't know if that's today, E. I think in the coming right. days. Russia's a big place. He's not close to Moscow. I'll tell you that. More on that in a moment. Should we talk about the train at all? <laughs> I think you have to bring up the train. All right. I'll, let's do business first. These two dictators apparently think they can help each other. Our U.S. State Department is trolling President Putin ahead of the meeting. Not only has he failed to achieve his goals on the battlefield, but you see him traveling across his own country, hat in hand, to beg Kim Jong-un for military assistance. Ooh, State Department spokesman Matthew Miller there. So this is about weapons. Russia is at least for now engaged in conventional warfare with Ukraine, meaning non-nuclear. And apparently they're running out of the basics. And you've heard this on the Ukrainian front as well. What's Ukraine asking for? Shells, bombs, conventional mm-hmm. weapons, right? Yep. And the same thing on the Russian side. According to U.S. intelligence and by reading into this meeting, Putin needs traditional weapons as his stockpiles are depleted. Kim Jong-un in North Korea, since all they're really engaged in is a Cold War with the West and with their Asian allies or Asian uh, adversaries, South Korea, Japan, they're not actually actively bombing anyone. They're not shelling anyone. They're just launching ballistic missiles into the sea. So he needs the tech. Kim Jong-un and North Korea need like nuclear support. They need advanced weapon systems. They need to further develop their computerized things. They've got plenty of conventional weapons, apparently, again, because they're not using any. So no doubt these two can help each other. If the terms of what's being needed here is, are as laid out. Now, as, as for the train. Oh, the train. Kim Jong-un, for an assortment of <laughs> reasons. Was that? that was natural sound of yeah, the train? Yeah, that's the real train. <laughs> he didn't travel much. He last left the country to visit Russia in 2019. Right. Travels in this armored train. I mean, it's Tuesday. He left Pyongyang Sunday. So it's not particularly fast. Obviously, you could get there, hop, skip, and a jump on a plane. Mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm. why he doesn't fly. He has. like It's not like a flying phobia or anything like that. He historically has flown. Is, is riding a train safer than flying if he thought that he was in danger? Train is said to be armored, certainly, and apparently quite luxurious, too. A CNN reporter who'd been on that train years ago said, in his experience, the windows were boarded shut, so any journalist couldn't look outside at the desolation of the North. Right. The interior is said to be plushed and decked out from car to car, live music, fine dining. Ooh. He's really traveling. It's the Air Force One of the rails. No wonder he's taking his time. <laughs> right? Why not? What else you got to do? The two states share, uh, Russia and North Korea, do share a border in the far southeast of Russia. It's more than 5,000 miles from Moscow. So pretty sure Putin is going to fly. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. 
Monday night football getting underway for the 2023 NFL season. Aaron Rodgers leading the Jets out of the tunnel, and it would be, unfortunately, a short night for the four-time MVP, only lasting four snaps on offense before going down with an apparent ankle injury following a sack. Head coach Robert Sala. That's right. Head coach Robert Sala delivering the news (laughs) on the postgame with an update for number eight. All right, I'll uh, deal with the quarterback real quick. Um, uh, concerned with his Achilles. Uh, MRI is probably going to confirm what we think is already going to happen. So prayers tonight, but it's not good. I don't want to go on the cart. <laughs> on the cart? Is on that the cart. cart. I don't want did, to go on Did any of you guys watch No it? one wants to go on the cart. I turned it out. It was like 720. I'm like, oh, I got to pop on the game yeah. and see what happens with number 12 or number 8. So I was at my son's football game out in Kenosha last night. I had it on my phone watching it. And he went down, and I thought, I, I just didn't see anything. It didn't look. No, it wasn't a brutal hit by any means. Didn't look like the ankle rolled or his knee buckled or anything. Didn't look anything. And then when they said the cart came out, I was like, mm, it's Gun. not good. So, I don't want to go on the cart. If it's his Achilles, like it sounds like it is, what is that? He's done. That's right? a year, year minimum. Yeah. Wow. So he would miss all of next year's training camp if Can't he comes back. Can't be like an Achilles no, strain or something like that. I, that I don't think so. Exploded. He was in an air cast on a cart last night getting a. <sighs> uh, Taken to an x-ray. So, obviously, it affects the Green Bay Packers. The Packers looking at a potential second-round pick at worst. Now Aaron Rodgers had to play at least 65% of the snaps this season. That is obviously in jeopardy. That MRI today is to confirm that extent of the injury. We should know at some point later today. The Jets, though, there there was a game played, guys. They, the Jets did go on and win. They won anyway. A walk-off punt return for a touchdown. But if you're a New York fan, you could probably care less about what was going on last night. Uh, over to baseball after returning home from a six-game road trip. The Brewers got back to business with the Bats, thanks in large part to a new addition to the lineup. First pitch to Donaldson. It's a ground ball past the diving shortstop Wendell and into left center. Santana will score. On his way to third is Adamas. It's an RBI single for Josh Donaldson, and the Brewers have a 3 to nothing lead. Donaldson making his debut with Milwaukee with an RBI single there in the third inning. As great as it was for the offense, this one was all about Brandon Woodruff. Woody helping deliver Milwaukee's first complete game shutout since 2021, and the National League Central leading Brewers offense collected a season-high 17 hits in a 12 to nothing victory over the Miami Marlins. Speaking after the game, Woody giving credit to good vibes and a new teammate. There was just some some good energy today, you know. Uh, got a new teammate in Josh Donaldson, and I think that just we all know what kind of career he has had, and I, I think he's going to be a, a great asset to our team. And, you know, it just – it was uh, – we knew that we played good enough to win yesterday. We just didn't come out on top. And uh, we've been playing good baseball, and, you know, but that wasn't in the back of my mind. I was just trying to go out and give the team a chance to win, and, you know, it just kind of – cards kind of fell in place tonight. Brewers looking to keep the good times rolling with game two of four coming from American Family Field tonight. That coverage gets underway, of course, right here on WTMJ at 6 p.m. Signing and limited WTMJ News Time 619. At 622 in Wisconsin's morning news this Tuesday morning, Kelly Herbst. We talk with her every other week. She's the founder of Milwaukee with Kids, mkewithkids.com, live with us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline this morning. Morning, Kelly. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. All back to school now. Kids are back in school. I, since we have this time with you, I wanted to ask you about something that anecdotally I'm hearing about. So maybe it's, you know, all things seem really relevant when people are telling us stories, but in a number of parents that I've talked to and talking with my own kids, others, 
Everybody is talking about kids being mean this year and the bullying at school. I don't know if that's something that's come up in your house. If we flipped a switch somewhere, not that it hasn't been a problem before, but I've had multiple parents tell me either stories about their own kids or others that they're hearing about that bullying is bad this year. Oh, man, that's yeah. I So like you said, it's such an anecdotal thing, but I feel like certainly over the last few years it was like maybe it was like everyone coming out of the pandemic I don't know what it is um but it's something that you know we parents we do have we we can help right we can help our kids to be kinder more empathetic people and I think it starts it starts at home it starts with us right yeah, and it's so hard as a parent too. if your kid comes home telling a story about something that happened to him or her on the bus or I wasn't allowed to sit at this lunch table or whatever. First of all, your heart breaks. Next, you go into mama bear, papa bear, you want to fix it. But that's <laughs> right. not always the right thing either. How do you start that conversation with the kids? Yeah, well, I mean, when, when anytime there, it, it, so I've had both, right? So my kids have been on the receiving end and the giving end, right? I mean, I, I think that's a natural part of life. Mm-hmm. You're going to get people are going to be mean, and then you're going to have times where you get the call and your kid was mean, you know? So but when they come home and someone was mean to them, I really try not to be the parent who's like calling the school right away at that first, you know, issue. I really try to just talk with the kids about, you know, like how they can, how they can walk through this when they go to school the next day. Think about what happened leading up to it. Think about, you know, just try to walk them through their own feelings. Let them feel upset. It's okay. Sometimes I think we think there has to be this answer. It's okay that they're upset for a little while. And being close with their family and sitting with their family during these hard times and and just, you know, then laughing or whatever, having good times at home, these are the things that they have to walk through. There isn't sometimes a solution, and I think sometimes we have to sit with that. I think that's the unfortunate part about it. I think you're right, Kelly, especially with the solution aspect. Yes, I, I, I do think there are times when the, the school can, can do something or a teacher can do something, but that's a lot to ask, too, for teachers to keep their radar up all the time, to be able to pick out something like that, to be able to stop something, to prevent something, to be proactive, you know, to prevent something from happening before it gets worse. It's just there's a lot of factors involved. Right. I mean, of course, when something is repeated and, and you know, right. of course, there are times where you have to bring the school in. But I'm just saying on those re- on those kind of typical kids are being mean to other kids to kind of a thing. We, we like this is an opportunity for you as a family then to reflect on, OK, how do we treat others? You know, you can't you can't control how others treat you. You can control how you treat others, how you react how, and, you know, what you do in those situations. And I think it's a really it's an important opportunity and it's one we have to take advantage of when they come up. On that point, you did allude to it. No parent wants to think my kid's the mean one, but uh, that's an important conversation to have as well. Expectations of us as a family about how you behave towards other people. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And, and start reflecting too. Anytime my kids do something that I'm like annoyed with or don't want them to do or whatever, I'm thinking, okay, what did I do? <laughs> so like, what did I, what behavior did I model that they're, you know, mimicking now. Um, and, and I really try to look in the mirror and I think (laughs) it's a useful thing. Um, but yeah, when there, there've been a couple times in, you know, the last several years where I got a call from the school for, you know, different kids and it wasn't just a conversation at home those times. I, one time I I went to the school and I picked my kid up for lunch and it was like, it it was, this is not a big, it wasn't a big deal. Right. But it was to me. 
because I didn't want him being the kid who was unkind. So I ended up picking him up from school, taking him out to lunch, and we talked about it. He knew this was something that was not, do you know what I mean? Like I made yeah. it yeah. a big deal. Like this is not going to happen again. This was not something that was okay. Um, so, you know, just, just setting your expectation and sticking to it and following through. I really appreciate your perspective, Kelly. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Kelly Herbst, the founder of Milwaukee with Kids, mkewithkids.com, 627 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Man, could have used just a couple of these runs the other day, but we'll take it. Brewers roll. Brandon Snide has sports at 645. In Pennsylvania. It kind of is a little scary feeling, um, knowing that he is only about two, three minutes away from the last sighting from this position. Uh, you can hardly hear that, but that's a resident in Pennsylvania concerned now because... It appears there's a heavy police presence that's been around the East Nantmeal Township in Chester County, Pennsylvania. They've been searching for this Danel Cavalcante guy. We are mm-hmm. hearing that residents reported shots fired in this area, maybe five or six shots. We don't we haven't heard anything yet, but that's what residents are reporting. That's KYWTV reporter Aziza Schuler. So this has been going on for a couple of weeks now. Was someone shooting at him or was he shooting well, at somebody? They think he's armed They now, do right? believe he's armed. The latest images captured on doorbell video shows Cavalcante now clean-shaven, wearing different clothes. The 34-year-old convicted of killing his ex-girlfriend first broke out of prison 12 days ago, crab-walking up narrow walls to the roof to escape. Cavalcante then went to the Phoenixville area where he tried to contact a former co-worker who called local police. By the time officers showed up, he was gone. So nothing yet from Cavalcante. They do believe he is armed. They are warning people in Chester County to lock their windows and doors. Remain indoors if you can because they've seen him on these ring cameras now. He's got a hoodie on and looking at the camera trying to figure out ways to either get in or get something before moving on to the next hiding spot. And this is like straight out of Fugitive. Yeah. Although he's not going to hospitals and trying to find the real killer. <laughs> well, <laughs> also, that was Dr. Kimball, like, and he <laughs> right. was innocent. Yes, he was innocent. This dude is not. 638 News is sponsored by Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. Retire well with Kowal. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! 642 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Absolutely a ghost. Yes. Well, <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's it's quintessential classic from what you see on the TV shows. So here's, is there a way that people can yeah, watch um, this pancake? The what best, do you got? The best way you can see it is on my Twitter, which okay. is at D underscore La. But um, we also have a... Um, you know, text into the talk and text line so you can see it as well. But the better video is on the Twitter. So Pancake, what's the word it. on that? Oh, we're looking for ghost, Vince. Okay. There you go. <laughs> ghost. <laughs> old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Text the word ghost so you can play along. So Debbie's in our newsroom there. You were recording something. Right. And then this apparition appears yeah. on your forehead <laughs> and then exits stage left. Correct. Yes. As I'm as I'm recording, I actually am using a phone to record it. So I'm seeing the screen um, and I'm, what I'm recording is our, our uh, daily download, which is what we you know, we give a little bit of a, a headline kind of a thing. We put it out on social media. So I was I usually give it a good space before so that I can edit it in the very beginning. So I'm sitting there smiling at the camera. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at the screen and I see this little it looks like a little thread that kind of floats down through 
past my forehead and off the screen. So text the word lint. To the- <laughs> no. No, it's ghost. It's got a little um, Tinkerbell effect. Going. Yeah, so I didn't see it like physically in front of me. I saw it on the screen. And then, I mean, the look on my face. Your face is priceless. It was like, wait a minute, what did I see? It's so funny. Like, you're settling Mm -hmm. in. Like, here I go. You got like a little smile on your face. You're ready to record. I'm about to open my mouth, technically. (laughs) And then I see, and then I look, and I'm, because I thought maybe there might have been like a fly that flied by, you know, flew by, or like I ended up, after I turned the video off, I looked out the, you know, I've got the window into the Third Street Market Hall. I'm trying to see if there's anything like movement or anything, nothing reflecting. So I'm like, Oh, okay, okay. This, this, this could be, this could be interesting. <laughs> so, so what is the conclusion this morning? Did not feel creepy. Did not feel any cold blast of air or anything oh. like that, and no feeling of eyes on me or anything. So, you know, take it for whatever it is. Any it's relatives contact you in the night? Right. In, yeah, in your not, dreams? No, not really. But you know, how's I'm your great grandmother doing? I'm saying Did hi to say? everybody: grandma, grandpa, everybody, um, abuelas, everybody. Everything's fine. So. If you have a message, send me a message. <laughs> Give me the lottery numbers. All right. Again, you can text the word ghost, G-H-O-S-T. Let me help you. To the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620 to see Debbie's apparition here in our newsroom. Uh, let us know if you see anything else, okay? I will definitely let you We're know. on that for you. 645, okay. Brandon's got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Former Packers quarterback and now New York Jet Aaron Rodgers is feared to have ruptured his Achilles in the team's Week 1 win on Monday night. Rodgers, who was only four snaps into the game, was sacked and needed assistance to get up and was later carted off the field. Rodgers will have an MRI later today to confirm the injury. The Milwaukee Brewers brought the offense and the pitching on Monday night at home against the Miami Marlins. Woodruff delivered Milwaukee's first complete game shutout since 2021, and the NL Central leading Brewers collected a season-high 17 hits in the 12-0 victory. Milwaukee and Miami will get things going tonight in Game 2 of 4 at American Family Field. That first pitch is set for 640. And lastly, Kansas City Chiefs tackle Chris Jones has decided to end his holdout with the team after the two sides have reportedly agreed to a one-year deal. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The 2023 NFL season is officially here, and of course, doing what it always does, it did not take long before dominating the headlines. Former Packers quarterback and now New York Jet Aaron Rodgers led his team out of the tunnel on Monday Night Football, carrying an American flag on the night of September 11th while running out to those screaming 65,000 fans imaginably had Roger Goodell and the NFL warlords in awe for a pitcher-perfect night. Well, until it wasn't. Four snaps in, the season for the New York Jets, and maybe a career for a future Hall of Famer, was ended thanks in large part to an ongoing debate for many years. Artificial turf versus natural grass. Since 2015, according to a recent study, non-contact injuries on that artificial turf have steadily and rapidly increased well above that of natural grass. Oddly enough, stadiums plan to remove that artificial turf and substitute it with natural grass ahead of the 2026 World Cup when it comes to North America. So again, we're good enough for soccer to play on natural grass, but not football. Make that make sense. How many more injuries must the league witness before deciding to go away from that fake grass? Enough is enough. The Packers witnessed one last season when Rashawn Gary tore his ACL on that carpet in Detroit. Plain and simple here, the NFL just needs to get rid of artificial turf 
in general. It has been an ongoing injury concern for so many individuals and for so many years. And with the world watching, arguably the most polarizing player was lost to a possible career-ending injury four snaps into his season. If the NFL is willing to walk the talk they spew out every year regarding player safety, then it is well past time to fix the most straightforward problem in all of sports. I cannot believe this. Yeah, Peyton Manning's reaction on the ESPN broadcast last night of Monday Night Football, the much-anticipated Aaron Rodgers' debut with the New York Jets, lasted all of four plays before he hobbled off the field and was ultimately taken off in a cart. Appears that he's injured his Achilles. Achilles! If that thing is blowing out, that's it for the season. For Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to go on the car. Our friend from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, two-time sports writer of the year, Lori Nickel, is with us this morning. Lori, I'll just first take your initial reaction. The world is watching this game. So much riding on it. Eric and I both had the same experience. We were late to the game, like by five minutes, mm-hmm. and he was already out. Yeah, he was in the tent. Yeah, oh my gosh. So you were probably really shocked. I mean, you know... I was not surprised to see it only just because of Aaron's age. And um, I, my react, my initial reaction was, wow, that looks like an Achilles. Like just looking at the replay right away. I'm like, the leg is not supposed to bend that way. Oh, I don't know if you can withstand right. that. I know he had a right calf injury um, throughout training camp. And this was his left Achilles potentially that we're all speculating, but my immediate reaction was twofold. It was like, boy, that that sucks for the Jets fans because I remember they went through a lot of stuff with Brett Favre going out there, and now they're going through this. And then my second reaction was kind of weird. You know, I with somebody of a quarterback of Aaron's caliber and his age, I, frankly, I was glad that he just didn't suffer like a concussion or something that would be really scary for somebody that age. I. Um, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Um, but seeing a 39-year-old quarterback uh, out there is always a risk. So I wasn't really all that surprised. And I'm not a fan. You know, I'm a neutral sports reporter, so it's, I didn't, like, get upset or anything like that. But I, I feel bad for him and everybody basically involved. His former teammate, David Bakhtiari, took to social media last night very sarcastically congratulating the NFL for having all these field turfs which lead to injuries mm-hmm. like this. Will there be a tipping point? Because this seems to be a trend where these fields that are turf are leading to some of these just catastrophic injuries. Yeah, and they had the rain, right? They had all the, the right. warnings about shelter-in-place kind of a thing. I don't know about that. I, I, yeah, that's really important to address. But when you look at like the Mayo Clinic and you look at risk factors for ruptured Achilles, you know, peak age is for men between the ages of 30 and 40. And there's all kinds of other factors that can make you a higher risk. Um, steroid injections can make you a higher risk for rupturing an Achilles and all that. So I, you can look at the field, you can look at his age, you can look at, um, you know, whatever treatments he may or may not have been getting leading up to, you know, his first season and, and all that. We, we don't know the details, but Bakhtiari might know something more. He might have been texting his buddy 
last night and what's going on and all that. And maybe Aaron feels it was the field or the turf. But, you know, there's only so much you can do in the later months anyway. Football is played uh, in the winter for half the season, especially with the way they've extended it. So this is something they're going to have to deal with, uh, all the athletes anyway, because after October 16th or whatever, you're not getting fresh turf anywhere. Talking with Lori Nickel, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Aaron Rodgers out. It could be for the season, depending. He's got an MRI today on that injured left ankle. So, Lori, I know you're not a doctor, but you've been around sports and athletes all the time. I mean, this is not a quick turnaround. If it does happen to be his Achilles, mm-hmm. this is probably out for the season. What are the prospects, do you think, that you know a guy mm-hmm. at that age, Aaron Rodgers, goes through God, the brutality of a rehab and tries to get back right. out there next year. Cause you know, guys who've right. been on rehab they guys enter into depression. Guys go through really right. tough times. They're isolated. They're, they've, they're not feeling productive. There's a lot that goes into that. That's exactly what I was going to say for, if it had for him. And again, we're speculating if it's, and you know, but the athletes that I've talked to by and large, it's the mental challenge of being disconnected from your team. And and he's brand new to this team to begin with new city, all of that kind of stuff. Um, The age and stage of life that he's in, we don't know how much longer he had planned to play. We, you know, initially when I talked to Aaron Rodgers years and years ago, he didn't even think he would play till he was 40. You know, when he was 26 years old, he didn't think that. So, does this change his well, whole when we're, when we're 26, we all think 40 right. is 1,000 years away, don't we? <laughs> totally, totally. But, yeah, it would be such a mental challenge for him. And he is really – I mean, he's an elite athlete for a reason because he, he has always been a tough guy, and he's always felt like he's, it's been him against the world um, from age, from high school on. So – but, yeah, I would consider that to be the biggest challenge would, would be both physical and the mental part for him. Plus, you know, we don't really know what kind of support network he's got out there um, that, you know, I imagine it would be pretty good. They really wanted him. So, but the waiting and, and being disconnected from everything can is always a factor. But the, the difference now with, like, the things that you talked about, guys dealing with depression and all that, the NFL is just usually better equipped now. There's usually sports psychologists who are either on staff or affiliated with the staff that can help. Aaron, of course, has his own network that we're familiar with and have heard about. So, uh, so many questions with this. I just, I'm, it's kind of a sign though, too. It's like he really needs to think about how long he wants to keep playing and what he wants to put his body through. Lori Nickel, two-time sports writer of the year for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Great to talk to you, Lori. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thank you.